In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all the kids and teens up through the 12th grade, please come forward. Good morning. How is everyone today? Good. Glad to hear it. So, um, if you had a problem, who would you go to for for advice? I know God's always the answer, but right here on on where we are, who would you go to for advice if you had a problem at home? Huh? Your parents. Why would you go to your parents? Because you trust them, and they have a kind of authority. They have a parental authority over you, right? Your parents do. A God-given parental authority. And if you were at school and you had a problem, who would you go seek advice from? Your teacher? Why would you go to your teacher? Hmm? Because you trust them, right? Or your counselor at school, if you have a counselor. Or a principal, because they have an authority, right? They have authority at school to help you with your problems. If you were in church and you had a problem, where would you go if to seek advice? To me. To me? Really? Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> Why would you go to me or one of the clergy? Why would y'all do that? Because you trust us, would you say? Because you, like, almost own the church. <laughs> because, like, I almost own the church. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, because we have a author- spiritual authority given to us by God, right? He, God gave us a certain authority to help and to love and to have compassion and mercy, but also to speak the truth. That's the kind of authority we've been given. So your parents, your teachers your clergy at church, and other friends too at church, not just the clergy necessarily. So who, so who do we go to big time? God. God. And why do we go to God? Why do we even pray to God? Because he's everywhere. Because he's everywhere, but does he have any kind of authority over us? Yes. Huh? Yes. God has authority over us. Why does God have authority over you and me and all of us? Because he created us. He's the author, authority, right, of each and every one of us. He created us. We are his. And so he can tell us whatever he wants to tell us because he's our master. He's our lover. He gives us everything we need. God has authority over us. And where did we learn that? Huh? In church. In church, but reading what? The Bible. The Bible, and in particular today, what? The gospel lesson, right? Because it talked about who having authority over even the demons. Who has authority? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is God. That's right, the Son of God in his humanity. But he has authority over the demons even. Jesus does. And you know what? 
He's given his church the same authority in his name. He's given the church his authority to heal, to cast out demons, to feed the hungry, to love those who are unlovable, to forgive our enemies. Jesus gives us all of that through the power of his Holy Spirit to have the same kind of authority. And so as a Christian, through your baptism, you are a Christian. And so I'm asking you, claim that authority that's been given to you as you continue to grow, as you are right now, and as you continue to grow. Claim the authority that God has given us as the body of Christ. It's not easy to do because sometimes we like to do our own things. But let's listen to God. He's given it. You will, Jesus said before he left to ascend to the right hand, he said, you will do greater things than I have done. In my name, of course, in his name. So he's given us authority. Just claim it. As a Christian, claim that authority. And he will be with you. He'll give you everything you need as you claim that authority, okay? Okay? All right. Um, if you want to go get a packet from Mr. Doremus, you're more than welcome. Uh, Jake, if you want to do that, because I know it's boring in the choir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Deacon Jennifer. Thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my Redeemer, my Savior. Morning. Ooh, almost as good as the 7.30. All right. I apologize for not having a joke this morning, Aww. but I just can't seem to find the good ones like Father Stan tells. Oh. Now that was a good one, right? <laughs> All right. Awful. I do want to piggyback on Father Stan's sermon last week just a bit. I remember, too, being afraid of the monster under my bed. But in my case, when I would go to bed at night, I would literally take a flying leap about three feet away from my bed just to make sure that no part of me was near enough for the grabbing monster. And that was thanks to my sister. I'm just saying, sometimes I still think about taking that leap, but it's not so easy anymore. It makes me think, though, that sometimes we give something or someone authority over us that isn't valid. The monster under the bed should not have any power over me. And yet, we're human. And we tend to give away authority to things or to people who are undeserving of it. In our gospel today, Mark is all about the authority of Jesus. Mark isn't so concerned in this particular passage to tell us about the nature of Jesus as he is about the authority he holds over everything. 
to emphasize this point, he uses the word immediately three times in this passage alone. It's as if he wants you to see that Jesus is Lord over everything now. Not eventually, but now. Jesus comes into Capernaum, and it's immediately the Sabbath. It almost sounds as if the Sabbath followed Jesus into the town. He's here to begin his ministry, and these are the people he will start with, and Sabbath is the day he will start. And Jesus begins to teach, and the people are astonished at his words. They are listening as if they had new ears, ears that were hearing the word of God for the first time. Jesus has an air of authority. They are mesmerized until a possessed man immediately jumps up and starts yelling as if the evil within him can't stand another minute of Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? Jaws dropped. Men half standing, not quite sure what to do. A demonic in the synagogue? How? What? When? Until Jesus speaks and the demon is vanquished. The demon has left and the ordeal is over almost as soon as it began. And then the people immediately spread the news of Jesus throughout the region. They can't wait to get dismissed from synagogue to run and tell the news. So I want to look today at these three immediately's in terms of the authority of Jesus. His authority in teaching, in healing, and in demonstrating the reign of God to save. In the synagogue of those days, when there was a traveling teacher in town, he was invited to read the scripture and speak on it. Now, Jesus had some notoriety of being a teacher, so he was invited to speak this Sabbath. When Jesus begins teaching, however, there was a difference that was noted throughout the entire congregation he didn't use the formula of quoting rabbis of old about what that passage might have meant as most teachers did in those days he doesn't conjecture about how the passage possibly could be applied he speaks with more declarative sentences and if he quotes anything it's scripture alone to the people, it's as if he is speaking words given directly from God. Now, we aren't told what he was saying in this teaching, but from the crowd's reaction, it is anything but your ordinary, everyday reciting of Scripture. The older men sit up taller. The younger men stop squirming around. The youth stop whispering among themselves and try to grasp every word. He has come to institute the reign of God. 
This rain will break all the old boundaries. It will restore creation to its rightful condition. And it will articulate the will of God, even if it means reconfiguring old traditions. This comes at the beginning of his ministry, and he doesn't hold back. He has shown with authority that he speaks for God himself. Until, suddenly, immediately, there is a howling, and a man comes wildly out of the group to stand right before Jesus. From his mouth comes a rasping, harsh voice. Now, the idiom used in Mark, which we translate here as, what have you to do with us, actually connotes much more. They're asking him, why are you picking a fight with us? Leave me alone. He knows who he is, but I'm not so sure he recognizes what power Jesus has. Until, in a short, terse statement, Jesus says, be silent. And again, we lose something in the translation because his words really mean, shut up. Which I know, my mom taught me never to say. But he isn't requesting it, he's commanding it in no uncertain terms. Jesus has not moved from his spot. Jesus has not touched the man. He commands the spirit to leave and the demon has no choice it convulses the man once more and leaves the people are stunned the man is confused but now at peace there's a huge breath from the crowd and everyone begins to speak what is this this is new unlike anything we've heard before and he speaks to demons and they obey him no, he didn't speak to the demon. He commanded it to leave. Synagogue is over, for the crowd is rushed out to go and tell. There is wonder, astonishment, amazement, awe. Jesus will be the talk of this town and many towns in each direction for some time. The reign of God has begun. Now I ask you, when was the last time you were amazed by something Jesus taught or did? When was the last time you heard a teaching from Jesus that turned your assumptions about what was possible upside down? Where can we still see broken lives restored, spiritual chains broken, Barriers dropped. Where can we still see lives freed from a destruction that we once thought hopeless? Where is our astonishment, our amazement, our awe over a Savior who has the power to speak evil out of our lives? It can be here. It can be now. But we have to free ourselves from the illusion that we paint 
of who Jesus is and what he is here to do. We have to let go of the Jesus we have formed in our minds, and we have to see the true Jesus. Ray Ortland calls our imaginary Jesus a Jesus Junior. And he says that this Jesus Junior is our sanitized version of the Savior. He doesn't surprise us or make us question the teaching that he brings. He is safe, he is comfortable, he is manageable. And most of all, he doesn't disagree with us. As a tag to this, Tim Keller says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. This real Jesus that meets us in the gospel teaches with authority. He's not concerned with your unhappiness as much as he's concerned with your unholiness. Again, Tim Keller says that it's as if Jesus is explaining the story of our lives. And he can do that because he is the author of our lives. So he knows of what our lives are about better than we do. When Jesus speaks to us in the Gospels, we should be left breathless with the wonder of his knowledge of humanity. He knows who we are. He knows our story because he wrote it before we were even born. The real Jesus that meets us in the Gospels heals with authority too. No one, no one is too far gone for God to save. The first responder to Jesus in the story was a possessed man. Who knows how long he had been that way? The evil spirit wanted Jesus gone for good. He named him twice, as if that could stop him. In the end, the demon was defeated, and as he gave out one last cry, he left. The life of Christianity, says Martin Luther, consists in possessive pronouns. While the evil spirit named Jesus as the Lord, he could not claim him as his Lord. We can, and we do. There's a story told of Pope John XXIII. He once had a group of visitors with him, and he asked their names. In particular, he asked one woman the names of her children. So she started to prod the children to tell him their names, but he stopped her. You tell me their names, he said quietly. There is great power in a mother proclaiming their names over her children. There is great power as Jesus proclaims our names to his Father. The real Jesus of the Gospels saves us with authority. 
He tells us the kingdom of God is at hand, here, now, for us to live into. While there are those who think that all ways lead to heaven, he boldly tells us that he is the way, the only way. While there are those who think they can love Jesus without giving him control of their lives, he boldly proclaims that we must give everything we have to follow him. To all of us, Jesus gives a command to allow him to be your authority. But still, you must choose for yourself. When you think you can't get any better, that you are the best version of you that it is able to be, Jesus has the authority to save you from your false thinking. When you fall into temptation, Jesus has the authority to set you free from the darkness. When your heart is broken or you feel hopelessness or despair, Jesus has the authority to bind your wounds and put hope back deep in your heart. He has the authority to still the restless soul to turn ashes into beauty, to raise us from death itself, and to fix the brokenness in the deepest part of our beings. Today in this reading, you have heard from Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God himself. Today in this reading, you have met the risen Christ. Be amazed. Be astonished and forget about your Jesus Jr. The real Jesus Christ is here. Choose him as Lord of your life today.